Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Slaytanic Veracast. 66, Doc, not 666, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's close enough. I'm Mo from France and to my west, broadcasting live from the neighbours' writers' room somewhere in Melbourne. It's Dr. Nick Westhead. How you doing, Doc? Gutted. Yeah. Gutted. Well, um, I've made not a lot, not, not, not a great deal of coin. I haven't become very wealthy, but from time to time, when things have got really bad for me, I've chipped in a few neighbour scripts and it, it's 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 served to keep the wolf from the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. but um apparently our um our patrons love us no longer. Well, Chow Five. It's a sad day, dear listener. Channel 5 have decided to axe neighbours. They're no, no longer going to be transmitting it um, in these fair isles. And, of course, it, 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 strangely, and this is, this is a strange phenomenon, I can't think of an equivalent, Doc, where you know a TV show stops being transmitted in a foreign territory and that actually jeopardises the show in its country of origin. Can you, th- can you think of a, a duplicate? Uh, yes, I can. Um, and it's a television programme that I had never really paid attention to until you brought it to my attention. It's 24. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. But yeah, because that that that, that was on the verge of being cancelled in America. Um, but, but, but it gained kind of huge popularity in Britain. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so that, that that's a parallel, I suppose. Uh, but but you know, twenty four was a new show at the time, whereas Neighbours has been running what for the best part of fucking. It's got to be knocking on forty years, isn't it, Doc? Yeah, and I mean it. It makes you realise, doesn't it? Um, just how expensive and how difficult television or visual media is to produce. Mm. That. You know, what what one would expect to be a beloved, if not greatly respected, property of a nation state is completely dependent on export to just one other territory. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I, I was never into Neighbours. Mm-hmm. Um, when it first came on television, um, it was... On television, um, this was sort of during one of the very long teacher strikes of the 1980s. Um, and we all had to go home for the, the, those, those who were able to had to go home for lunch. Right. There was no supervision available during lunchtime. And this was when Neighbours started. And it was, it was a bit of very, very canny timing um, on the part of um, central television, as it was in those days. And they ran it from quarter to 12 until quarter to until 20 to 1. I've got, I've, got to correct, I've got to correct you briefly, Doc. Neighbours has always been on BBC before Channel 5 got it. Home and Away was the ITV one. You know we belong together You and I forever and ever 
You're dead right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's all right. Um, no, it, it's um, that was an admonition um, in exchange for which uh, I offer contrition sincerely. Well, it, it, and, and it, it is granted, sir. Don't worry. Um, Your contrition was, has been noted. It was a very canny move that they placed it um, exactly in the middle of um, of ledge break. Um, and what Neighbours did, or the, the gap it filled um, brilliantly, was just to be a quiet, amiable noise in the background. Mm. Mm-hmm. You could never say it had a plot. You couldn't ever say anything happened. Um, but when you wanted a break, you could put the television on, and you didn't even have to watch it. It, it, was, it was literally just um, something going on in the background. Um, and... I thought it did that job brilliantly. I don't know what's happened to it in recent years. Um, no. I suspect it's felt the need to become a capital S, capital O soap opera with a, a, a C in a circle uh, and an R in a circle at the end. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably has to have far more dramatic moments with a C in a circle and an R in a circle at the end, mm. um, which in, in, in the bizarre... Um, dramatic economy of, of, of soap opera means people shouting at each other. That's right, yeah. It's a notable show, though. I mean, you know, of course I haven't watched it in, in the best part of fucking 30 years. Um, so, the, the, you know, it, it, its disappearance will have zero impact on my life. But I have fond memories of it, you know, from when I was, I don't know, 16, 17, like, just like you, really, you know, at college, go back. I, I, I was within walking distance of college where I lived, go back, watch an episode of Neighbours, have your lunch, go back, you know, for the afternoon session. Um, and of course, it, you know, it, it, it has spawned, you know, several several careers. Obviously, Kylie and Jason will be the two most notable, but the likes of Russell Crowe, you know, got, got early breaks on Neighbours, Guy Pearce, Liam yeah, Hemsworth, I mean, Margot Robbie, you know, you know, these does, are all kind of A-list Hollywood actors these days, Doc. Does any media property that gives the world Kylie Minogue have to prove itself in any other way? I oh, no. don't think so. No, you're right. No, absolutely correct. Um... Um, it was also one of the very last examples I can think of of what, what you might call a, a, a word of mouth phenomenon, because it, it, it wasn't advertised at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no attempt to, to make a buzz about it. Evidently, the, the BBC bought it for next to nothing, mm. probably like in a tea chest with a bunch of other stuff they bought from Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the likes like of probably like doctors, no, flying doctors, wasn't it? Flying doctors, for example. Well, I, I assume they probably really wanted, like, Picnic at Hanging Rock or something. And, oh, yeah. Um... What we see and what we seem are but a dream, a dream within a dream. We must learn to love someone else apart from me, Sarah. I won't be here much longer.
That's the uh, Peter Peter Weir Peter Weir movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in exchange for the slightly inflated cost they had to pay for that, um, they said, "Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll chuck in a bunch of other stuff as well." <laughs> and it was, um, as far as I can remember, um, it was an authentic sleeper hit. And without any effort, suddenly someone bothered looking at the ratings and noticed that this tiny little television program that cost nothing was routinely pulling in like three point two or three point three million viewers per day. Oh, it was a, it was a cultural phenomenon, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it spawned the you know the lot the pop pop careers of of, of Carly and Jace and Stephen Dennis to a to a lesser extent. These movie stars we've already mentioned. Um, you know, d- 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 number one hits, especially for you that duet that they did. You know, yeah. My 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 first ever girlfriend, Doc. I bought her that single for Valentine's Day. Isn't that lovely? Oh, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, she was a lucky girl. Um, no chow time today, guys, uh, because we ain't done no editing, are we? Um, no, and looking good. That's because we're absolutely awesome. No video game update because I'm still playing Saints Row. We talked about Saints Row, didn't we, Doc? Yes. Yeah. Um, so what have we been listening to? Doc, off you go. Um, I've been listening to some 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 more of my beloved Vaporwave Future Funk. Uh-huh. Um, the reason for that is that um, I'm I'm still reading the Exotica book. Um, but I've got to a bit that I've got to concentrate on now so that I can pick holes because as with all academic textbooks on cultural studies nowadays um it has to have the bit in the middle that um i've referred i've taken to referring to as the bit in the middle where the author tries to get it put on the reading list at uh, goldsmiths college sure Mm -hmm. um and if you don't know what that means off the top of your head it take too long to explain now um but there's a specific point in the future where I want to explain it because it becomes relevant. Mm. Um, I've got to that bit in the book, which is never the most enjoyable bit of any cultural studies textbook. Um, And I frankly wish they wouldn't fucking bother. Mm. But um, I need to concentrate. Um, So I haven't been, I've I've taken a break from that part of listening. Um, And then when I want to decompress, Tell you what, we'll listen to the track for a minute. All right, uh, and I'll explain why it's so delightful. Here we go. What, what's 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 the track called? Duck and who's it by? Um, Nothing back uh, by Lola Disco. Here we go. Things that 
quite normal for you, Doc. What's going on? Um, I suppose what you put it down to is probably normal, but not necessarily for me. Um, <laughs> and I'll explain what's going on. I have an enormous affection for this 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 sort of little little subgenre of music that, that people variously call vaporwave or future funk. And in fact, the one thing might be a subset of the other. Um, very briefly, where it started, and I could talk about this for half an hour, but I don't know much more, but I'm not going to. In the years of 2008, 2009-ish, a lot of people started really quite wittily and quite cleverly, started off by commenting on music weblogs and eventually started their own. And there was this sort of acknowledged nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that the people were far more interested in writing about music or commenting on music than they were in actually listening to it. And people started inventing whole groups and whole genres of music that didn't actually exist, that they could comment on. Yeah. Um, and of course, what happened is people who weren't in on the joke, I wasn't around at this time. I missed all of this stuff when it was happening. But a lot of people who weren't in on the joke would start to chime in in the comment sections um, and add their own comments. And it became completely unclear whether it was people trying to sound like hipsters and looking like idiots because they were pretending to have heard stuff from a genre that didn't actually exist. Mm -hmm. um, or whether just it was a great big joke that everyone was in on. Mm -hmm. um, and people began to call it vape, uh, Vaporwave. Um, as a portmanteau of new wave and vaporware, in other sure. words, so software that doesn't exist. Yeah, we've talked about this in in, in the in the video game industry, haven't we? You, you know, the, the, the games that get announced, you know, with, with great fanfare, but they're never actually materialised. The vaporware. Yeah. So um, you had this fascinating situation where you'd you'd have the buzz, and you'd have all the critical commentary. Um, and then someone had the brilliant idea that what they were actually going to do was to make some of the music. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, to, and they, they would effectively like uh, back engineer the reviews and try and make some music that would justify and earn the reviews that, had, that, that it had already got. Mm -hmm. and it, it was a joke. Um, it was a joke between like hipster weblog commentators and writers and hipster, not even musicians. Um, people who owned a Macintosh um, and were able enough to use the sampler and the sequencer. Um, and then something absolutely unbelievable happened. Um, the, a lot of the music turned out to be really worth listening to. Sure, yeah. Um, and why I like it is it's house and disco, typically from the 1980s, very often from Europe, um, that through the process of being chopped up and sampled and repurposed, um, has been able to divorce itself completely from its point of origin. Um, and what it means is that it makes the 1980s sound a lot more fun and a lot more full of cuteness and bright colors mm -hmm. than they really actually were. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you'll, what you'll often hear people say about it is, it makes me nostalgic for a time that I don't even remember. In my case, I do remember it, and it wasn't very nice. And it makes me nostalgic for 
the sort of the, the, the sideways slippage. It makes me nostalgic for the lost future that we were promised and we never got. That's right. Yeah, I understand. I totally understand. Um, here's mine. I'm going for um, a band called Porcupine Tree. Um, oh, goodness gracious, that's a name from the distant past. There we go, Doc. Um, the track's called Arriving Somewhere, but not here. Um, that, I'm not going to play it from the start because it, 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 it's prog, Doc. It takes a fucking while <laughs> to get going. Um, so I've, I've kind of I found a point where I think it, it kind of gets interesting. Here we go. <laughs> Never stop the car on a drive in the dark Never look for the truth in your mother's eyes Never trust the sound of rain upon a river Rushing through your ears So, you know, these guys have been chugging along since mid-90s, I think. Um, American, uh, I believe. Uh, Steve Wilson's the, like, the main man. He's, you know, vocalist, guitar, lead guitarist, lead songwriter. It's his baby. Um... And there's just something deeply beautiful about some of their compositions. I'm not, I don't mind Prague. Um, you know, I like a bit of Marillion. I like a bit of Genesis, some Yes from time to time. Uh, Floyd, some of it. Um, but, you know, but it's not my, like, go-to genre. But they're, 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 there is just something about these guys. I, I do find them quite captivating. I'm yet to hear anything by them that I didn't like. I'll put it that way. And for me, this is like their their, their standout song. Um, I mean, their influences are well. Their their one influence is obviously, you know, stitched onto their fucking shirts, which is Pink Floyd. Um, but but the other chief influence, check this out, Doc. Steve Wilson claims his two main influences are Pink Floyd and Donna Summers. What do you think about that? It doesn't surprise me at all. No, um, I'm going to. We might even get into a a Mo-Doc discussion about this at some point. I would describe this as progressive rock, not prog rock. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I draw the distinction because I, I always think of like, progressive rock is an ethic. Yeah. Um, it's a determination to take rock and roll beyond its initial fairly limited and incorporate elements of classical music and that awful expression, world music and folk mm. music and mm. jazz. Um, and then prog rock is what happened when a particular strand of progressive rock ossified and people still people still form prog rock bands and they call them prog rock bands and the peculiar thing is that they're the least progressive things imaginable because they're still stuck in they wish it was still 1973 mm. um, and all of their songs are about wizards and dragons sure <laughs> yeah um, and maybe lorry drivers Mm. Um, and the end of the world and it, it, so as far as I'm concerned these people have, they don't sound identical to anything that you'd have heard in 1972 but I, I, I think they've kept the means of production and I think they've kept the ethic or the, the, the motivation 
behind progressive rock as it was. It doesn't surprise me at all that they should include Donna Summer in their list of influences. Um, and I mean, Donna Summer, because of her collaborations with Giorgio Moroder, oh, yeah. became very important in European progressive rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's only a very short step from um, Kraftwerk to Giorgio Moroder. Um, and if you look around a lot of the progressive rock that was... Um, here's something interesting. Genesis did a loss-making tour of Italy, I believe, in 1971 or 1972. Um, and because they were about the only band... They were in the midst of... Um, labour riots and student riots and neo-fascism in Italy at the time. And not, not many people wanted to be out on the streets, less still sort of playing music live. And Genesis were kind of the only game in town for quite a little while. And that there's this lovely irony that in the UK, Genesis were regarded with grave suspicion for being public school boys um, and being sort of unapologetically wealthy in the way they comported themselves. And in Italy, they got taken up as socialist revolutionary heroes. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe <laughs> um, that's maybe that's a subject we'll we'll touch upon when we get to the lyric section, Doctor. This particular track, you never know. Yeah. You never know, um, uh, Doctor. On a topic, yes, please. Um, give me a number, please, sir. Between one and sixteen. Fifteen, please. Ooh, let me scroll down. Uh, Non-metal tracks that crossover into the metal community. In other words, you know, normal tracks that the metal community embrace. What do we think about this stuff? This let's is a toughie, isn't it? Let's go, well, let, I've got three, but of course I've, I have the advantage of thinking about it in advance. Do you want me to give you my first one to give you a, th- a bit of thinking time? Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. I've gone for uh, Voodoo People by The Prodigy. Prodigy were embraced in general by the by the metal fraternity, um, particularly from jilted generation onwards. Um, yeah, I, I think you had some cuts on there. Their law, for example. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. All voodoo people, the one that I've mentioned, um, you know, that the, the had enough kind of darkness 
to kind of engage the metal brain. But crucially, they also had lead lines, like proper melodies that you could play on the guitar if you wanted to. <laughs> so not, not, not so much love for Charlie Says. No, I don't, I don't think your average Deicide fan was getting down to a bit of Charlie Says, um, <laughs> you know. But yeah, Voodoo People, that's, that, that's my first pick, Doc. Um, has, has anything bubbled up? Um, I'm going to go to the opposite end of the historical spectrum, um, and a, a track which clearly isn't metal, but I believe is often quoted as the origin point for the phrase heavy metal, and it's Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. I think most metal folk acknowledge it as a very important origin point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss it at all. Um, my second one, in fact, isn't it funny? We we have connective tissue back to neighbours here, um, yeah, because it's torn by Natalie Imbruglia, who I believe was uh, started her career on on neighbours, did she not? Nothing where he used to lie. Come to see. 
Yeah, um, like you said, like a, a, a lot of um, it was a, a, a real talent farm for um, Australian performing arts. Mm. Um, I'm convinced that the production company had links to, and don't ask me the name of the place, the, of the institution, but basically the, the performing arts school in Melbourne at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to. Take a punt. I'm going to call it the Melbourne School of Performing Arts. Yeah. I reckon, Doc. Yeah, should we call it that? There we go. Yeah. I'm sure that probably existed. I, I think the reason this one hit was obviously a very, very pretty girl. Um, it was kind of at the at kind of the tail end of the grunge scene. Hmm. And you know, just her dress sense in the video is is grunge tastic. And uh, uh, you know, uh, and the guys in the video playing the playing the guitar and the bass and the drums look metal as fuck. Um, so, so I think there was like an aesthetic thing here, you know, very cynically exploiting people's, I don't know, just kind of <laughs> willingness to be manipulated almost. Do you know what I mean? Um, they, oh, they kind of looked a bit. They looked right? a bit metal. It's called marketing. They looked a bit metal, so metalheads thought, oh, it ain't, it ain't actually a bad song. She's a pretty Ooh. lass. All right, we'll accept it. Wasn't there like a huge thing at about that time for, um, I won't say second string exactly, but uh, yeah, like division two grunge bands to um, like make a bob or two on the side by performing on on, on nominally pop records. Oh, really? No, um, no, no I can't I, give any examples. Um, the the one that sticks out to mind that uh, sticks out to my mind was various members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers popping up on that first Alanis Morissette album. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that, that's certainly possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, when you say the first Alanis Morissette album, you mean the first one that anybody actually fucking heard of? Yeah. It was probably her ninth or something. But... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think she, I think she had two or three albums before that, and they were like god awful Canadian pop music. <laughs> yeah, and, play, and as distinct from the third one, which was what the, the third, the, the jagged little pill. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if, if <laughs> the the ones previous to that were terrible Canadian <laughs> pop music, and that one was oh, the, the Doc's being funny, listener. The Doc's being funny. <laughs> go on, <laughs> go on, Doc. What's your second choice, man? Um, I mean. Uh, if we're in that time, um, yeah. the dividing line between is it metal, is it not metal? And this is probably a cock obvious thing to say. And if you want to say you're not allowed, that's clearly metal. Um, well, what about Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine?
I, I will take it, Doc, because I don't consider that to be a metal track. Um, no, I don't. No, I, I think that's like like heavy alternative music, basically. Um, As we've discussed before, my one and only defining characteristic for is it metal is if the band says they are. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and certainly Rage never ever wanted to be associated with the metal scene, did they? No, definitely uh, not. Yeah, that's, that's that's a great one, Doc. Yeah, really good. And I, I think you're quite right. But yeah, definitely embraced by the metal community. You couldn't go to a fucking rock pub or club around that time and not hear that track. And people would slam to it, you know, because because it, it is fucking slammable, you know? There's no doubt about it. Um, my third one, and I think this is, you, you kind of mentioned like um, Born to be Wild as, as a potential progenitor of metal. I think this is another candidate. It's Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. I don't know a metalhead that doesn't love that track. Um, I think it's absolutely said it's one of my favourite songs. Um, I think it's so, it's so, it's duck. It's transcendental. You know the the, 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 the lyrics take you floating off to strange places, um, and you've got that beautiful kind of proto maiden um, lead line throughout it. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um... Okay, so I'm I've 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 gone from the early end of the spectrum to not the recent end, but the the middle of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and you know what I'm trying to do is to stay away from something that's obviously nothing but heavy alternative rock that sounds a bit metal, mm. or techno that sounds a bit metal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a feeling that that there, sh- there should be like something really drippy and sentimental that that um, metal folk tend to go gooey over. Mm. Um, Don't worry, Doc. Don't worry. Don't feel any pressure. If you're going to call it, um, it's all right. I've, I've, I've crapped out, to be honest with you. That's all right, man. Don't worry. You, you, your job in this part of the show is much harder than mine, and so you've done well to come up with, with you too. Uh, should we crack on with the show? What do you reckon? Yeah, um, okay. Uh, like one, one final stab, and once again, you're absolutely permitted to say, Fuck off, that's metal. Yeah. But I don't think it is. Um, what about um, Paradise City by Guns N' Roses?
Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, 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 I suppose, you know, it, 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 if, if I were to criticise, it's kind of a, you know, a safe choice, I suppose, because it is kind of the harder end of rock. Um, but you've had no time to think, and I've had plenty of time to think. You know? No, no I, I was just thinking that the, the, the milieu um, which I came from, um, the metal folk were rigidly separatist. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're, we're not hard rock and we're nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, well, it, well, the, the, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before. There is an interview. There is an interview with Axel Rose when they're supporting Iron Maiden at uh, Monster Rock, I believe. Um, maybe 91, 92, something like that. And he's been interviewed by MTV Headbangers Ball. And they ask him, you know, what, the, what does he think of Maiden? And he, he effectively said they're a bunch of old farts with a future. They're the past. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, definitely did not want to be considered heavy metal. Oh, how did that work out, by the way, Axel? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Doc, <clears throat> I think that's enough. Um, don't forget, guys, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slightenetvercast at gmail.com. Let's get on with the show. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here we're going to play through the track, of course. Stop it and have a little chat from time to time. Today's track is track three from uh, Divine Intervention, and the track is called Fictional Reality. Let's get into it. started using a new technique on the guitar doc and this is the second track in a row that we've heard it where they are like palm muting and playing like technical lead lines but like slightly muted like half muting the notes basically i don't think we've heard this before and we've heard it two tracks in a row on this album um i'm not one of those people who thinks that human beings are incapable of original ideas yeah, I think people can come up with stuff by themselves, but you can guess the next question I'm going to ask is, is, is there an obvious influence? No, I, I, I can't think of one. Uh, I mean, if it, of all bands, I would say the, the, the one that immediately springs to mind would be Anthrax, strangely enough. That doesn't surprise me at all. No. I mean, you know, the, the, the Slayer's record label was in Anthrax's hometown, probably just a, a few streets down, uh, a few streets down from there. Oh, really? Oh, um, the, the, the Anthrax. Oh, yeah, of course, they're New York based, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're East Coast, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. Um, the, the, um, I unless I've got this very very wrong, um, Def Jam Records and the members of Anthrax were in Hollis, Queens. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like right uh, right at the end of the bridge. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they're taken to hanging out with each other. And um, obviously, Anthrax had recently had a very notable collaboration with Slayer's label mates, Public Enemy. Yeah, boy. 
Yes, yes, we're seeing DNA all over the place, aren't we? Yeah, so I mean, I, 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 I don't think that's a, a, um, a wild supposition at all. Mm. Um, so, <clears throat> do you think this technique works well with Slayer? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't like it as much as as, as when they're kind of like not as when they're not palm muting, when they're just kind of yeah. double strumming and playing the notes open, I definitely much prefer that. Um, I don't dislike it, but, but I kind of wish they wouldn't do it. Yeah. You with me? Um, have you ever tried to play that game where you try to force your mind to think what a track would sound like if they were not using that technique but using some other? Sure. Well, 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 I mean, famously, I think two or three times we've talked about the uh, like the Gina G example. You know, you know, yes. kind of play that song in, in in the style of Morbid Angel. You know, or I don't know. It's a sin by Pet Shop Boys. You know, kind of play that. You know, in the style of Maiden, something like that. You know. You're going to say either in flames or hammerfall. There, <laughs> any of them, any of those work, you know. Yeah, of course, I do quite often listen to music, and and, and really, it, it, I do, I do quite often listen to music. <laughs> I do. <laughs> what, what a funny interjection! That was great. Um, I do, and um, and, and but, but try to imagine, you know, the song. But by a different artist or a different genre, yeah, I think it's a fun game to play. A fun kind imagine, of mental exercise. I can imagine stuff easily in a completely different style. So mm. Gina G in the style of Bolt Thrower. Yeah. I can imagine mm. easily. Um, a, a metal track by a metal band in a metal, in a slightly different metal style is much more difficult. For yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's more nuanced, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's... Um, it's like when you're filling up your petrol tank and you're trying to stop it on the stroke of 20 quid. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Are you, are you that guy, Doc? Um, I almost never... I used to be really good at it. <laughs> I used to be really good at it, but yeah. I think they fixed the pumps. Yeah, of course. Treachery, misery, violence, insanity, amateurs, cultivate, numbering, the syndicate, castrate! 
They certainly are. Yeah. Um, they're bringing the raw as well. Um, mm-hmm. The production on this album is all over the shop in a good way. So I, I love the production on this album, Doc. It, it, I, I think it is my... It, I haven't really thought about it for the later albums, but of, of, of like the prime era, I think this is my favourite production of the albums. Do you get the impression, as I do, that they tracked most of this live? Well, it it, it 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 it's it sounds raw. It sounds it it sounds as if they've done it without a click track to me. Yeah. What do you reckon, um, Doc? The timing is by no means spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot. The, the, the vocals were definitely done in no more than one take with no punch-ins at all. Uh-huh. There's a bit. There's there's one line there, and I think it's insecurity, afraid of things you can't see, and he and, and he fluffs the mm. he fluffs the vocal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really audibly fluffs it. There is a sense that you know. I, I think you mentioned it last time out, or maybe, or maybe it was during the, the the discussion of the first track. There is a sense that like, like the record label had kind of lost confidence in this style of music, and maybe it kind of pulled a bit of the budget. And so they're having to do things a bit quicker, a bit shoddier. And my fucking word, it works for me, Doc. Yeah. Um, you could have guessed this already, but you know, <laughs> you, you know I like cheap production better mm. than expensive production. Mm. Mm. Um, well, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, the, I'm with you. Um, the only thing that's wrong with um, De Mysteris Dom Satanus by, uh, by Mayhem is... It, it, they, they clearly had far too much time and too much money in the studio to endorse themselves. <laughs> Same and, as Emperor's, you know, em- Emperor's first album. Far too expensive. <laughs>
Yeah, well, I mean, that that, uh, that first Emperor album, you can tell, like, even after they'd spent four months in the studio recording it, they then spent a year in post-production with two mixing engineers mm. and four producers. <laughs> yeah. It ruins yeah. it completely. I love the... The reason I love the, the production on this album, I love the, the way that they've managed to get so much treble on the guitar without... Without, without it actually becoming kind of like ear-piercing and, 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 and abrasive to listen to. So the high notes really cut through. And when they hit those like discordant, because that's another thing they're doing on this album, which they haven't really done often before, these not nasty little discords, you know, where, where, where they're kind of hit, hitting, I don't know, let's say the A on the fifth string and then the D on the sixth string, just to make this horrible discordant noise, basically. And it really cuts through because of that, because of that wonderful, wonderful treble on the production. Is this a bit of influence from black metal? Well, I mean, it, it's a great question, Doc, um, because, you know, that, that kind of blizzardy, kind of frostbitten sound was definitely prevalent by now, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and, very, and, and two very distinct parts of it. Yeah. Pushing it in the middle. Yeah. Which obviously, in the case of black metal, was done because they only had really, really crap equipment. And if you mm. want to get maximum volume out of a crap amplifier, you turn the middle up. Sure. Um, and once again, I think because a lot of black metal bands were either pushing the boundaries, or I'm sure they would say they were trying to incorporate Norwegian folk music. Mm. Mm-hmm. But from time to time, you'll get like a really weird just a really weird chord mm. mm-hmm. um there's just this, we're talking about that mayhem album there's one bit in one track and it just makes me smile every time i hear it where it's it's ripping along as you would expect then it stops and then Euronymous just plays one like minor diminished seventh jazz chord it's like you mentioned emperor i think Emperor in particular were very well known for their use of these like Norwegian folk music scales and these weird chords. So I, I'm not, maybe not a direct influence. I'm just going to say it's one of these odors that was in the air yeah. in this year. Sure. Just like, uh, like in the zeitgeist effectively. Yeah. 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 We got it. Doc, here we go. <laughs> It's funny I should talk about, was there a black metal influence? Do you mean to tell me you couldn't imagine that bit being on an Emperor album? Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. It, 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 it's so atmospheric, isn't it? It's so bombastic yeah. and big. Yeah. Well, and the um, the feedback plus the tremolo arm mm-hmm. um, and the... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The thing is, I think um, <clears throat> Kerry, in particular, kept his finger on the pulse um, I think Jeff was proper old school boy, um, didn't really care about modern metal. You know, he's, he's just going to play what he's going to play. But Kerry, there's no doubt. And, and I think it's true to this day, you know, hearing interviews with him, he knows his stuff, man. Um, 
you know, and, 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 he, and, he, and he kept himself up to date. So, yeah, it would not surprise me. I've heard stories about like Kerry King going to going to other people's shows in disguise and stuff like this. Oh, really? And, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't quite mean like plucking plucking a business card out of his top pocket and handing it to someone and going, call me. Mm. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, here we go though. Firstly, name that solo. Uh, there are lots of them. I mean, uh, it's oh one my. solo. You've got oh you've got my. one of the guitarists doing like a tapping on thing in the background, Tap, but tapping yeah. on on the on not a fatty, which is a really unusual thing to do. Um, and and then you've got the other guy playing like an atmospheric solo. What's going on? Though? Oh crikey! Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Kerry. And Don't you'd be correct. Kelly. You'd be correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Jeff's doing like the tapping on, uh, t- tapping on technique on the, on that fatty man. How do you fucking think of that? I don't know. But anyway, he did, well, and uh, and he did it. Since since we're playing the influencers game, yeah, um, is the obvious one not Primus? Mm. I, 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 I am not versed with Primus. Like, help me out. Well, it, it's just if it's in this year, um, I, I don't know. I don't think Slayer took part in Lollapalooza, but right. um, in in like the year of, of Lollapalooza, and if you're using redundant and despised techniques such as hammer on uh, uh, tap ons and hammer offs and slap bass and stuff like, um, you, even if you're not, you're damn well asking for the finger to be pointed at you. You've been listening to some primers, haven't you? Yeah, and in that case, your name is Mud. That, 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 <laughs> that's obviously um, got to be true. Yeah. Do you know why? Do you know go why? Because Primus sucks. Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go, Doc. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, no, I was going to, uh, a follow-on point I was going to make. So we got the solo, and then, my fucking word, don't they go into a bit of fucking Sabbath at that point? Jesus H. Christ. Just doomtastic um, fucking Sabbath worship. Absolutely unbelievable, yeah. When was the last time we heard Slayer dropping into a, 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 a few Doom riffs? Oh, did they do it They've at all on, it on seasons? I think so. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I can't I think. think 
I think you could make a case for the track Seasons in the Abyss to have some... Exactly correct. Yes, you're right, Doc. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a couple of minutes in, they, they kind of played that lovely kind of arpeggio shit at the start. And then yeah. they hit the massive doom riffs, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Here we go. I'll tell you what, we've got 56 seconds left. Should we just play it out? Yes, please. Here we go. Guys, that was track three from Divine Intervention, fictional reality. Doc, name the solo. Um, it's pointless me, Jeff. Jeff. It's Kerry. It was Kerry again. Two <laughs> Kerry's Kerry in one. Again. Two <laughs> Kerry's in one. Yeah, they're, 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 they're fucking with you, Doc. They're fucking with you. Um, I don't really like that song, Doc. Really? No, I don't. I Can like I elements of it. I like elements of it. I like the. That those massive doom riffs. Um, I like that tapping on shit that Jeff's doing, but I I just don't like this Chucktastic version of Slayer very much. I want them to blaze, man. Not not. I, I don't like heavy Slayer. I want fast, aggressive Slayer. Can I waft something past you, please? I like this track. Yeah, but the bits of it that I like the least are the bits where they. They feel it seems like they feel as though they must do some typical Slayer mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked it better if just for once they'd have cut loose completely and stuck with the doom riffs and the feedback and the wailing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's got a cracking groove to it. It's got a cracking rhythm to it. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. The interests of groove are not best served by this odd guitar technique they're employing on it. it, it it's really dense, you know, because you're just kind of grinding on that fucking E and A string, palm mute in the E and A string. It's really dense. Um, I mean, I mean, kudos to them because it's fucking hard to play. It's fucking hard, man. Um, and obviously, they they pull it off with a plum. Um, 
I just no, it, it it doesn't really work for me. For me, it just kind of loses quite a lot of the impetus that should be there, um, and so it kind of drags it down and makes it feel slower than it actually is. If you actually kind of did like the beats per minute. For the second track in a row, I feel as though we're hearing a Slayer who at this point are, they know how courageous they want to be, but for whatever reason, they can't quite make it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, the, there's the guts of an absolute, there's, there's a lot of the guts of, the, of an absolutely incredible track in there. Sure. But for so, I, I, I was going to say for some reason, but of course I understand why. They can't seem to leave it alone and stop beating it around the head with a pipe wrench and trying to make it behave like a Slayer song. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, d- um, I think Kerry's Kerry has basically learned a new guitar technique and he's just fucking deploying it, man. Um, and 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 Jeff's just going along with it. And I, I, I kind of wish Jeff had pushed back a bit more and gone, no, 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 we're fucking old school punks, man. You know. You you can understand why musicians do that though, can't you? Of course, yeah, do, 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 do. for the sake of your own sanity, I suppose. You know, just just to you know do something different, stretch your boundaries, not feel like you're kind of repeating your old tricks. You know, precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I don't approve. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that? Did you hear that, Slayer? Yeah. Mo does not. <laughs> Yeah, mode does not abide. Okay. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, Anything else to say, or should we crack on to the lyrics? Um, yeah, I've just got a funny that just floated into my head then that I want to share with you. Mm. When you said I do not approve, I wanted to say Freemasons are involved, which would have meant that uh, there's a track called In Honor um, by Count Raven. Most records world domination compilation album from this very year, I believe. Yeah. And they really are Black Sabbath copyists from Germany, yeah. uh, and very dodgy right wing Black Sabbath copyists, as well mm-hmm. as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they have a song about the final victim of Jack the Ripper, and there's a rhyming couplet that um, is Mary Kelly, she must die. Her accusations we deny. And then there's something about the royal house does not approve. And for some reason, I believe that they, they rhyme it with Freemasons are involved. <laughs> <laughs> the royal house does not approve. Freemasons are involved. Yes. What a great, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, <laughs> only in Germany, man. Only in Germany. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. 
welcome to part three of the show, which we call Doc. Evil speak. Yeah, we're going to read through the lyrics and talk about them. Um, do you want to kick us off? Crisis feeds the lunacy, all fear the new machine. Consumed democracy returns a socialist regime. It's late to rest without a contest, all hail the new incompetence. Masking you see what to believe, a drone in the world of anarchy. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had to take a punt, Doc, which member of Slayer do you think wrote these lyrics? Well, at first sight, you'd say Kerry, wouldn't you? You'd say Kerry, and it is Kerry. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. The, this is a Kerry jam. So Kerry jam, in terms of music and lyrics, in fact, he, he's the only credited uh, member here. Um, so Crisis Feeds the Lunacy, or Fear the New Machine, the new machine being some kind of, like, uh, like a new a new political regime, I presume? Um, as far as I know... The phrase a new machine in popular culture comes from, and I can't remember who wrote it. It was a 1970 book, um, and it was written to be chiefly of interest to to, to um, electronic engineers. And it was about the year that was spent building the prototype of the Data General Nova mini computer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Data General was a company that was spun off from Digital Equipment Corporation. Um, and they decided that they didn't want to work for DEC anymore. They were going to make a new company, and they were going to make a very good, very inexpensive mini-computer that didn't borrow anything from DEC or IBM or Honeywell, or they were going to make a completely new machine. Um, When the book appeared, as far as anyone can tell, um, it's a completely accurate record of of, of that one year, and basically the the, the titanic efforts of um, a small group of extremely driven individuals to do what nobody thought of, you know, to a, a tiny little company to make from scratch a computer of their own. Yeah. Um, and it's become used as a management textbook since then. It's also found a home in political science. Um, as an example of how a charismatic leader can lead people to blindly do their will. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very famously, the guy who's writing the book um, has a quote from the, the, the boss of the company. And he described, when, when he's talking about like motivating engineers, and he said, you have to treat them like mushrooms, keep them in the dark and feed them shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a nice guy. Um, and it's it's one of those books that sort of um, it celebrates the nobility of totalitarianism. If, um, that if nation building and getting stuff done is hard fucking work, and it's work that's not always best done by the nicest of people, or in mm-hmm. other words, you don't that. It's work that has to be done, that has to be done as an imperative by people who aren't the nicest of people. Mm. And I, that's what I think this is an explicit reference to. 
Sure. Mm -hmm. Consumed democracy returns a socialist regime. It's very interesting with that contest, all hail the new incompetence. This is kind of, um, would you say, Doc, it would be fair to suggest that this is like, Amer like uh, American fear of socialism through like, a, as seen through the American lens. It's like many Kerry King lyrics. Mm. Um, like most, in fact, Kerry King lyrics, don't go here if you're aiming to learn anything about actual political science. Please sure. don't. Yeah. Um, but it's I'm, a slight track, you know. I'm fascinated by this line. Consumed democracy returns a socialist regime. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think maybe he means creates, doesn't he? Uh, well, I can think of at least three different meanings. Yeah. In the um, in strict politics, um, returns means what you get back from the voting process. Mm -hmm. Of course, you, yeah. You, know, mm -hmm. uh, you talk about uh, so and so returned the candidate, yep. meaning yep. like that the candidate got in. Sure. Um, it can also refer to um, involuntary purgation. Mm -hmm. So either vomit or diarrhea. Yeah. Um, which chimes nicely with consumed democracy, effectively vomit socialism. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah there's linkage there. Linkage. Um, How about that? There we go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very good. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'd be fascinated to know if Kerry knew this. Mm -hmm. um, if we're right, if that second line is a reference to the book The Soul of the New Machine, um, and if it's talking about building computers, um, when you return, you, you return things from functions um, in computer science, or specifically in an in computer science, what you return is the evaluated outcome of the function. So you put something in, it changes, and then it's returned. Mm. Um, so it's it's something a returned object is something that's been passed through a thing which does some work on it um, and then returns it back um, in an altered form. Mm -hmm. um, I would never have thought that Slayer would have influences from computer science in their lyrics, but it just goes really nicely with the second line. Sure, it flows, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Later rest with that contest, all how the new incompet incompetence, making you see what to believe, a drone in the world of anarchy, I think this is Kerry King reacting to stuff like the L.A. riots. Um, this is 1994. L.A. riots were 91? I would say 92. 92. So, you know, it, it, it's about the right time for him to be starting to, like, pen the song, isn't it, you know? Um, yeah. I think he's reacting to it, and, and he's seeing kind of his country that he loves, you know, no, call Kerry King what you want, mate, but you can't not call him a fucking patriot. He fucking loves America. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so through his eyes, I think he's seeing his kind of country fall apart. And, uh, and he's projecting into the future and seeing this terrifying thought for him, kind of as, as, a, as, a, as a proud American citizen, of like you know, extreme, so, you know, communism based. Communism is coming, Doc. Um, it's... It's really hard, isn't it, to read it and not see it as a statement of advocacy of basically um, 
rebellion and freedom, but the way I want it, not the way you yeah. want it. Sure. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my kind of rebellion and my kind of freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not yours. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and there's judgment here as well, which you don't, again, we, we've mentioned previously, Slayer don't often judge, but you've got this word incompetence, and that's, the, 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 you know, that, that is by definition surely a, a judgmental word. Um, it's a very prescient word at the moment. Um, there's one of my acquaintances who I, I, I discuss politics a lot with. And um, we, we were talking a couple of years ago about how um, in the past, you've had various political movements that may have been opposed to totalitarianism or may have been opposed even to democracy um, or opposed to this style of government or, or that style of government. What you've witnessed in the last few years, and uh, I think this is kind of what carried Donald Trump to power. You have a mass movement which is opposed to competence. Mm-hmm. Um, people who, are, when people make snide comments about the metropolitan elite and the political classes, what they mean is the people who are actually good at this stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know what you're doing, I, I, I don't believe in natural born leaders at all, but if you are trained for leadership, brought up for leadership, if you, and, and, you know, and, and you know how the mechanics of running a government works, then by definition, that means you're a member of the political classes and, 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 and therefore you're one of the metropolitan elite. And we don't want people like that. We want raw, instinctive, ruggedly individualistic people who, who just know, who just feel. Yeah, but doesn't it lurch from one side to the other? So, you, so, you know, so you, you get, um, I don't know, you get some, you know, we, we're in America at the moment, so let's stick with America. You, you get Obama, who is like Mr. Mr. Suave, Mr. Smooth, you know, great orator, um, you know, always in control, not impulsive, apparently not really passionate. Um, and so then it lurches to Trump, who is the, 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 the opposite of pretty much everything that Obama was. He's reactionary. He's wild. He's pretty fucking raucous. He's, he's a natural stand-up comedian, by the way. One of the funniest fucking people on the planet, I would argue, Donald Trump. Um, and then he, you know, lurches back to Mr. Fucking Safe and Square Biden. You know, this is what happens, isn't it, Doc? He just kind of lurches from one side to the other with kind of just massive inconsistency. I don't think there's any inconsistency at all. The people who hated Barack Obama um, when he was president were the people who hated him for what they perceived as his cold-bloodedness mm-hmm. and his his lack of passion. Um, I mean... I bet you won't find many texts of recent American history anytime soon who will see fit to mention what an absolutely fantastic job Barack Obama did to terminate hostilities in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, That's why, Doc, isn't it? It, 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 it ain't great fucking... It, it, it ain't great copy, is it? That's the problem. No. Um, it, no, what, what he did was not the whooping and flag-waving and shooting guns in the air. Yeah. Stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm not even going to talk about what it was he actually did because people need to go and look at that for themselves. Yeah. Um, but the the Trump cheerleaders are 
I don't think they started out this way, but those people ended up boxing themselves into the set of opinions that um, the the enemy was professionalism mm-hmm. and taking this shit fucking seriously. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm the kind of person who thinks that the business of running a very large, very wealthy country should be taken seriously mm-hmm. um, and should be done by people who know what they're fucking doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you idealist, Doc. You're a massive idealist. But those people think they're idealists as well. Sure. Those people think that the United States of America should be run by a true red, white, and blue-hearted, red-blooded American who, you know, thinking is what communists and sissy boys do. But he shoots from the hip, Doc. He shoots from the hip, and he acts on instinct, and that's what every good American should do. Well, and more importantly, he just knows. Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, either him or Q, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, he don't need no book learning. <laughs> uh, um, because he's a pure-hearted American, he just knows the That's right, right thing to do. Duck, should um, we go to the chorus? Yeah. Treachery, misery, violence, insanity, scavengers, Treachery, misery, violence, insanity, scavengers closing in, covering the truth again, castrate society, fictional reality. So, I mean, his thesis here is that um, like the the communist dream is actually a lie, isn't it? That's what's going on here, isn't it, Doc? We we need to locate this song very firmly in the period of history when it was written. Mm -hmm. This song was written when conspiracy theories were still fun. Yeah. Coming to this in 2022, I mean, all of this stuff, it looks like the most hate-filled right-wing nutjobbery. Covering the truth again, castrate society fiction. You know, it it looks like the work of someone who stays in their basement during the hours of daylight. Um, But this is why why kind of accusations of far-rightism are thrown at King, isn't it? Because of tracks like this. I actually thought accusations of being right-wing were thrown at Kerry King because in interview and in his personal life, he's an unapologetic right-winger. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's... It's further he's evidence, much, isn't it? It's further evidence, Doc. Um, but there's, there's a whole... There's a fucking world of difference between um, people who like to own guns and who want to own large amounts of property and who don't think they should pay tax Mm -hmm. all of those are completely legitimate viewpoints particularly in the u.s yeah and i'd say the u.s national consciousness is skewed widely towards people who do want to own guns and own private property and don't want to pay tax sure um that's the whole reason the fucking country exists in the first place that's the reason all of those people left the uk or poland or germany or wherever it was they left in the first place there's nothing wrong with, um, and if people quote unquote accuse Kerry King of being that kind of right winger, I don't see why he should. Uh, you know, I, I feel as though he should embrace that, as I believe he does, and I don't have a problem with someone having those opinions. It's stuff like this is, and I, I, I kind of. I, f- I kind of feel bad calling it right wing because it casts such shade on people who are merely a bit conservative. Mm-hmm. 
um, not everyone who is slightly to the right-hand side of the political spectrum um, advocates whack-job conspiracy theories. No. But this is the product of a time in history when conspiracy theories were still fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's like, it's, it's season two of The X-Files in the UK at the moment. Sure. Ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great reference point, Doc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it is. And I mean, you know, making up conspiracy theories was a parlour game that wet lefties like me used to get into. Um, I've told you this before, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a massively fun game, um, particularly when there's a couple of people smoking and a couple of people crack the beers out. And you pick up the newspaper and someone picks up two completely unconnected events in current affairs and everyone has to try and come up with a conspiracy theory to link the two events. Mm -hmm. um, and the game ends when someone says, obviously, um, if someone needs to go home and wants to finish the game, uh, the game ends when someone goes, it's obviously the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, because that's not a conspiracy, is it, Doc? Because it, it normally is. <laughs> I'm kidding, listeners. I'm only joking. Don't cancel me, please. Um, so, just to really, really reiterate the point, this song reads much more harshly in the year 2022 yeah. than it did in the year 1994. Sure. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, um, I agree with you, Doc. I agree. Do, do you want to hit us with the next verse and see, see what we mind from that? Insecurity, afraid of things you cannot see. Words become the image of the enemy. You can't dissect what was correct. Vengeance based on how things were said. Can't see your side conflicts with mine. Frustrations lead to complete demise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we've almost got a reversal statement here. Sure. Go on, Doc. Well, it, it's, it's almost a contradiction, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, first of all, treachery, misery, violence, and insanity, and covering the truth again. And then you, you've got a complete reverse, insecurity, afraid of things you cannot see. Mm -hmm. Now, words become the image of the enemy. And mm -hmm. this, this, is, this is fascinating to me because Slayer had lived through the PMRC war, wars. Um, I know Slayer never had their livelihood and their liberty explicitly threatened. But lots of people they knew did. PMRC did for the listener, Doc. The Parents Music Resource Centre. Mm -hmm. That's right. This, this is no. the explicit lyric stamp on the on the on the CD, isn't it? It is, and it's worth bringing up because um, the, the 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 leader of the PMRC was 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 typical, um, who at the time was the wife of Al Gore. Um, oh, yeah. I think most people I think most people remember as being the probably the most notable left liberal. US politician. She has, uh, she has a very funny name, doesn't it? Like Chipper Gore or something? Tipper. Tipper Gore, that's Tipper. it, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, 
You think I give a fuck about some stupid bitch named Gore, PMRC, here we go, war. I love iced tea. Um, <laughs> Very good, yeah. Uh, I think a little later on, um, he says that she can suck my dick while I take a shit. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> what an image. Oh, God. Oh, you... oh, fuck me. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and it... <laughs> I think because they were married and because of his political opinions and her political opinions, um, I think what those people did was probably the exact reverse of what they hoped they could accomplish because they linked in the eyes of many people for a long time the political left with um, censorship, mm -hmm. with with state-backed censorship. Sure. Um, we talked about Andrea Dworkin a couple of times quite recently, and obviously this, this was a bit of a wave that um, very often the, the extreme right and various branches of the extreme left will sort of have marriages of convenience for a little while. But aren't we seeing, Doc, that it's almost prophetic in a way, because now, how many years later are we? Like 28, 26, 28 years later, we are seeing that the left are becoming much more radicalised. They are becoming much more puritanical, much more censorious. You know, just... just in the last couple of days, you know, the, the left are getting in a, a, in a fucking froth about a joke that Jimmy Carr made about the fucking Holocaust. You know, these are the people. Why do you why do you suppose those people? What, why do you think those people are left wing? What, what, why do you think those why do you think those people? Because they call anything? themselves that. Um, isn't that the definition of a false flag operation? I mean, well, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great point, Doc, you know, but, but we live in a world where, you, you know, where, where you are meant to be able to identify as whatever you choose to be identified as, and we all have to respect that. Kind of in both ways, left-wing motherfuckers. I, I don't see what um, Marxist or Maoist tradition, mm. any of those people... Um, uh, the, the, the closest linkage you can get um, is possibly a link between the Puritans of the English Civil War era. Yeah. Um, and those people were not socialists. Um, the Lord Protector. Pe people seem to think it was in some way radical or socialist because it deposed an absolute monarchy, but it replaced <clears throat> it with a military dictatorship that was in many ways worse. Sure. Um, I, I don't understand... I don't understand what those people do that makes them in any way left wing. As far as I can as, as far as I can tell, um, they support entrepreneurship. They mm -hmm. support private enterprise. Yep. Um, most of them, I suspect, are opposed to taxation. Mm -hmm. um, they're in favour of censorship. Yep. Um, and. They're also cultural elitists. They mm. also believe that they are right. I, I mean, the, no, none of those identifying characteristics make them in any way. I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how they can call themselves or other people can call them left wing. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you, Doc. I don't recognise this as the left that I fucking grew up waving a flag for I, I, I don't recognize them but 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 that is now what is understood to be left-wing 
I'm really reluctant to say to people, well, you're just wrong. Um, but I'm not reluctant to say to people, study some fucking history yeah. and then tell me, uh, I mean, it doesn't take long to read a basic history of the French Revolution. It doesn't mm-hmm. take long to read a basic history of the failed revolutions of 1848. Um, it doesn't take long to read a brief history of the Bolshevik, the Menshevik Revolution and the Bolshevik Revolution and then the Cultural Revolution. Um, and then when you've read those things and understand what people on the political left are fighting for, then have another look at these censorious little pricks and tell me if, tell me if you can see some similarity. Because if, if anyone out there can see any similarity mm. between mm. those two groups, between those two parts of the spectra... Mm-hmm. Um, I would really appreciate it if they if they if they'd explain it to me. We're, we we are on the same page, comrade. No doubt about it. Um, let me give you the next four lines. Uh, we've got the chorus, and then we got another four lines. Every trial conspiracy, compassion is the enemy. Paralyze, criticize, breaking through. The wall of lies. So again, kind of this wall of lies stuff, conspiratorial again, isn't it? Basically, everything everything you see is is, is bullshit. You know, just being lied to, left, right, and centre. Yeah, and uh, it's it makes slightly depressing reading, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Treachery, misery, uh, scavengers closing in, covering the truth again. Every trial, because what does that line mean? Every trial, conspiracy. Is, is there a comma missing there? Is it every trial conspiracy? Every trial conspiracy, it means nothing, Doc. That's the answer. Um, I assume there's there's a common missing here. You know, every trial, every or a, legislative... Or a colon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a colon would do even better. Sure, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Every piece of judicial process is a manifestation of a conspiracy. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it... <clears throat> What does this mean? Paralyzed, criticized, breaking through the wall of life. But it's either incoherent or just a bit depressing. It, 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 it's knee-jerk, right-wing, reactionary stuff, isn't it? it, it, it it's very kind of, I don't know, first year at college, first attempt at writing a political essay kind of level politics we're talking here, Doc. Yeah, and... I can't understand um, what would have been going on in Kerry King's life at the moment that particularly, um, I mean, if the system is so hateful and if the system is so stacked against him, well, he's done quite well out of it up until mm-hmm. now, hasn't he? Well, you know, it, it, it is funny, isn't it, you know, when um, people in very privileged positions bleat about, you know, their, their plight because the system is so broken. Yes, Lewis Hamilton, I'm looking at you, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm tempted to say, you know, if, if, if Kerry King dislikes the political left so much, I assume he wouldn't have accepted any support from them um, if the Congressional Select uh, hearing, if the Congressional Select Committee hearing had gone the other way and it was decided to start enacting large-scale censorship on... Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I don't know. That thing Kerry does for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, man. Yeah. Um, I am assuming. Um, I'm assuming he would have turned around and said, um, you know, um, 
no iced tea, get back to your squalid riots in South Central. Mm-hmm. No Jello Biafra, uh, um, stay, uh, stay in San Francisco. I don't need help from either of you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, 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 there does seem to be like, uh, I, I wouldn't say hypocrisy, but just kind of a lack of thinking things through going on here. It, it's, 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 it's far more thoughtlessness than malice, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, Doc. I agree. Uh, let's crack through the last, uh, last verse here, Doc. Suicidal hierarchy racing in reverse. Everything that's done today will be tomorrow's curse. Screams in my head precede your death. Can't hold the rage when the truth is shed. Blindly the blind, line after line, in a world too shallow to defy. Is it defy or um, define? I think it says define. It could be define. Yeah, um, I think it does. So yeah, Kerry's just spent three verses telling us all about um, the the unchartable depths and layers of conspiracy upon conspiracy, and then he tells us the world's too shallow to define. Sure, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, right, sure, mm. and, <laughs> and um, and yeah, and guns, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it mean by suicidal hierarchy? Doug? What does that mean? Racing in reverse? What does that look? It's a great. I think it's a really great line. I don't really know what it means. It's if I hadn't read the rest of the song, it seems like a reference to um, a bit in chapter two of the Communist Manifesto, mm-hmm. um, where Marx explains that um, uh, capitalism has the seeds of its own mortality embedded deep within its own. Um, it's it sort of, and then you get onto stuff that's actually more like. Yeah, but, because it's oh sorry doc because the, 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 kind of the kind of the Marxist premise is that capitalist capitalism's doom is like baked into its very structure, isn't it? Well, the, the premise of Marxism is that um, capitalism is a very necessary step on the road to socialism. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, capitalism is absolutely necessary to take away power from hereditary aristocrats mm-hmm. and feudal lords. Mm-hmm. And also to get people from the, there's a great line, capitalism has rescued untold millions from the idiocy of the countryside to the relative sophistication of the cities. <laughs> um, capitalism is an absolutely necessary step. And I mean, the, the Communist Manifesto, at least, doesn't even, doesn't even overtly find capitalism particularly hateful. It just right. says it's a necessary step, but socialism is the terminal step. Mm-hmm. Um it's, a bit um, like, it's like puberty, really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it, it definitely has got this idea that um, if you've got the society, that to, to have the workers that you need to really raise capital, you've got to educate them. You've got to pay them quite well. And by doing all of these things, by raising people to be educated instead of being dumb peasants, and by paying them well instead of them keeping, by, by giving them time on their hands to study, and organise instead of keeping them starving and cowed all the time. Mm. Well, um, obviously you're going to hasten the end of your own system by doing stuff like that. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Doc, I'm done with the words. Anything else to add? 
it's an oddity. It's it's an oddity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, at the very least, the only conclusion you can take is for a band who benefited so much um, from the radical in popular culture. It's ungrateful and mean-spirited, to say the least, isn't it? And it's very, you know, like conservative with, with a small C, isn't it? It's like very like safe and boring and, oh, my God, I want to live in this kind of like dull, bland, fucking unimaginative world, really. Well, I think one of the key things you must do in a protest, stop, in, in a protest song is state what it is that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rather than just got like squeal and moan and bitch and gripe, well, particularly if you're a right winger and if you're a ruggedly individualistic real man who can take his rifle up into the mountains and survive there if he absolutely has to, mm-hmm. um, don't just piss and moan like a little girl or a communist sissy. He does come across like a little bitch, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, you're right, Doc. I, yeah, I agree. I totally, totally agree. Um, Kerry, do better. Do better. If you're going to do politics, do it fucking better. That's all I'm going to say to you. Um, Should we move on, Doc? Yeah. Welcome to part four of the show. Um, We're just going to give our final thoughts. But before that, a few details. Uh, Writing credits, music by uh, Mr. Kerry King, lyrics by... The, the very same Kerry King. According I, just to set- to try, I just needed to try and the funny that popped into my head then. Um, <laughs> like, if I had the chance to speak to Kerry King about... Um, I would like to say to Kerry King, Kerry, do you think Grizzly Adams would have written those lyrics? Well, this is the thing, isn't it, man? You know, um, no. No. It'd it, it be absolutely fucking ashamed. Um, what's the name of the guy with the big fucking raccoon hat, Doc? David Crockett. David Crockett. David Crockett's not going to write these lyrics, is he? Come on, no. get fucking real. Um, I didn't actually know whether you meant David David Crockett or Ted Nugent. Then <laughs> I was going Crockett, not Nugent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, according to set list, this was played. Check this, Doc. One times, one times, really? just once. Um, putting it in joint ninety seventh position, along with about eighteen or twenty other. Tracks, so they only played it once, man. Um, um and, and that place like was very much either. Well, it, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, obviously, they were not fans. So, uh, the, 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 the one and only play was some somewhere called the Five Points Music Hall in Birmingham, Dark Local Boy. Oh, no, shit, no, Alabama, fuck, yeah, never mind. Um, I could a loud wire, um, <clears throat> is what they say. If they, they, they put it in 52nd position, um. In quotes, castrate society, fictional reality, end quote. Kerry King doesn't mince words, brackets, just genitals, close brackets on this one, condemning the fear machine that drives the world and paralyzes its inhabitants. The midsection might be one of the most overlooked moments in Slayer's catalogue, with Jeff Hanneman's eerie cannibal corpse-esque hammer-ons establishing a nightmarish atmosphere i agree with that stuff about jeff's fucking hammer that is absolutely fucking brilliant um so answers a question that we had earlier on um, right that, that's evidently a cannibal corpse thing but which came first you know we, we don't know you know sure don't know maybe, maybe, um, maybe that's for chow time motherfucker next time you know what i mean and you know obviously there's there's nothing even remotely reactionary or right wing about cannibal corpse is there? not at all no not at all they're lovely 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 left-wing boys 
Doc, anything to add? I, I don't really like this song. I don't like the I don't like the like the lyrical theme of it. It kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, it makes me a bit kind of disappointed in Kerry, really, but not in a surprised way. Just a sense of inevitability to it, really. Um, I don't like this new technique that he's developed. Um, I under, I kind of understand why he's doing it because it makes it heavier. But I don't want heavy. I don't want Slade to be heavy. I want Slade to be fucking aggro and punchy and punky in your fucking face. Um, if I want um, heavy, I'll go to you know I'll go to Injustice for all for heavy. Thanks at this kind of period of, period in time. Um, yeah, go on, Doc. Considering these lyrics, um, wouldn't something fast and ag have suited it far better? Well, you think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, you certainly um, think so. Yeah, um, I love that middle bit. I yeah. love that middle bit, and that buys it quite a gr- quite a lot of goodwill from sure. me. Um, I, when I read someone like Kerry King writing ly- lyrics like this, to coin a phrase, I pity the fool. Um, <laughs> I don't hate him. No, of course not. No, there's no hate involved here, Doc. No, not at all. I just feel I just feel a bit disappointed, really. You know, um, you, you know the joke, the old joke, the clean joke that you can tell anywhere. What did the inflatable teacher say to the inflatable pupil in the inflatable school? I have no idea. You've let yourself down. You've let me down. You've let the school <laughs> down. That's what Gary's done. <laughs> 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 That's what Kerry's done, <coughs> unfortunately. Um, Doc, are you ready to pronounce? As you know, I always, I always um, have my score ready, so the doctor never ever influences my choice. Off you go, Doc. I like that little bit, um, and the rest of it was thoroughly unremarkable. Um, and I'm going to give it five. And well, Doc, it is uncanny. If only you had a vagina, mate, we could make great lovers because <laughs> I gave it five as well. It's a five, it, oh, it is a five nice. out of track, isn't it? Yeah. It's just bang in the middle. It's not, there's nothing got overtly wrong with it, but there's nothing great about it either. It's just smack in the middle. It's a five out of five track in it, man. Yeah, do you know what we should do as an inter album, an album interennium um, exercise? <laughs> we should each pick. One track each from one of the first two Slayer albums. I'm not saying a whole episode, but we should take 20 minutes and pick one track each from one of the first two Slayer albums um, and do what we did the first time and see how our scores match up. Wow. Well, I mean, wouldn't that be interesting just to... Uh, I mean, maybe do it, you know, kind of post-album. I don't, I don't quite like the idea of, like, breaking up the flow of the album. That's what I mean between, um, between two albums. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so maybe we'll do that as part of the covers special because um, that, that, that tends to be that tends to be like a short episode. Um, so you know, so we can like bulk 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 up bulk it up with an extra twenty minutes, analyzing uh, yeah, like a previous track. That's a great idea, Doc. Yeah, yeah. We'll think about that for uh, when 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 we approach the end of this album. Um, remind me, Doc. Keep that in your mind. I've, I've had I've had a couple of beers, man. I will forget that. Keep that oh, in your mind, brother, and remind me. Yeah. Um, are we done, Doc? I think so, yes. 
I think so. Um, it's a slightly inconclusive ending to ooh. an inclusive song, really, isn't it? Ooh. Yeah, so that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was a bit pissed and, and not really concentrating anymore because I'm thinking about the fact I've got to get up in fucking six hours for work. Fucking sucks, well, man. Never what, mind. I'm gonna, uh, what I'm going to do um, is put my tactical vest on um, and grab my M15 uh, and my Glock 19 as backup um, and I'm going to patrol the perimeter of my property to make yeah. sure there's no intruders. Yeah, d- 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 and make sure... Make sure. You fucking scope them, mate. Don't just threaten them. Actually put a fucking bullet in them. Um, yeah. That about does it for this episode, guys. Don't um, forget you can... Go on, Doc. Well, um, I'm also putting um, nail armour on my back, on my chest. And you know mm. why? Um, so no one can tread on me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the track, man. Um don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slatanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be talking about the fourth track from Dawn Intervention, which is called Ditto Head. Going to be there, Doc. I am. And just before we go, so that we don't have to put it in chow next time. Yeah. Contemplate this and we'll take it up next week. Um, is all of this lazy reactionary crap are Pantera involved in this somewhere? Well, I'll leave that with you. Leave that with me, Doc. Remind me, say to me, at the start of the next episode, Kerry King, Phil Anselmo, and we'll have a chat. See, See you later. later. See you later.